Blog Talk Radio. Listening to the Hollywood Boulevard podcast, hosted by Jonathan Moody and Donnie Sturgis. Hey, hey, everybody! Welcome to the Hollywood Boulevard podcast. Uh, as always, I am Donnie Sturgis, and with me is Jonathan Moody and our and producer. Alfred. Yeah, that Alfred guy. Yeah, Alfred. yeah, Alfred. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I have power. <laughs> All right. Yeah, Alfred here. Hello. All right. Um, so for tonight's show, we are going to uh, talk about a movie that uh, I originally hated as a child and have grown to love, uh, the Masters of the Universe movie. Um, so uh, I guess first of all, I, wanted to, I just want to say that because uh, um, we're all kind of like Alfred and I are closer in age, and of course, Jonathan, you're a little bit younger. But um, what was uh, what was your first experience with the Masters of the Universe movie, um, Jonathan? I'll go with you since you're the youngest out of the three of us. <laughs> All right. Well, considering I just watched it last night for the first time in my life. Um, oh wow. I, I yeah, well, I had known about it. Like it's not like it's something like I you know you told us oh we want to do a Masters of the Universe and it's like oh, I've never heard of that. You know, I knew right, about right. it. I just, um, I was never a He-Man gro- uh, fan growing up um, because oh, okay. He-Man came out in 1983, and I was one years old right. when that, <laughs> you know, when that sure, came sure. out. Sure, sure. So it was not my uh, my cup of tea. In fact, when I got old enough to watch cartoons, um, you know, the cartoons that changed a good amount. Saturday morning cartoons changed from, you know, certain kind of things to certain other kinds of stuff and the stuff that my generation, you know, um, we were watching were like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and, and sure. crossover of like the real Ghostbusters, which I think your generation was still watching, but Thundercats and, and, uh, right. and um, G.I. Joe and, and things like that where I was still watching. But He-Man to me, a lot of my friends liked it. I was not. So I knew about the Dolph Lundgren movie, um, had never seen it, and um, I right. tagged him in a Twitter post about it, so maybe he's checking it out. So hi, Dolph, if you're listening. <laughs> it's possible. he's uh, He is still very much a uh, a huge fan and supporter. Um, I collect all of the uh, all of the new uh, He-Man figures that come out by Mattel now uh, that are being produced by a company called Super 7, and he is very much a supporter. Like, he uh, when, when the movie figures were coming out, he was very much – uh, going out and basically like helping to promote them and stuff. So he's very much still a big uh, Master of the Universe supporter. So, um, so what about you, Alfred? You and I are closer in age. What is your first uh, experience? I guess your first memory. Uh, well, let's let's do both the let's do both the show and the movie since Jonathan kind of covered both. Your first experience with the cartoon slash toy line and your first experience with the film. I remember uh, the I watched the. The cartoon. I was a big collector of uh, when they read, you know, the Star Wars figures, and then uh, right, the right. G.I. Joe. 
the smaller G.I. Joe figures, and then right. He-Man came out. And I can't remember if I saw the figures first and then the cartoon, or the cartoon and the figures. It's, But I remember seeing that. I thought it was quite interesting, and it was humorous, and and um, like the, the I watched the show The Toys That Made Us today, and it reminded me how Skeletor was. It seemed like they wanted to have like whiny villains back then, because Cobra Commander was kind of whiny, and Skeletor sure, was sure. kind of. Yeah, yeah me and my first definitely a trope. Hmm. I was just saying it was definitely a trope. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Like Mumra, Mumra was whiny too. Oh. Yeah. Uh, okay. But yeah, you were Alfred. And I remember watching it after school, and I remember the the filmation beginning in the Lou Scheimer oh, yeah. production. Also did like She-Ra, Star Trek: The Animated Series, Flash Gordon, Fat Albert, sure. and and Jonathan brought up the real Ghostbusters, and they also had the kind of cheap um, the Ghostbusters. It was kind of confusing me more so as a kid than. The movie came out and the cartoon, and but I digress. It's something else. But I remember watching the cartoon. I enjoyed it, and then then I remember it took me a while to watch the movie. And um, I think my friend Gary had seen the movie before I did. Then then we rented it, and I just remember for years afterward we kept saying "Good Journey" <laughs> right. to each other at the time, and kind of as a lark. And and like you, I really didn't like the movie when it first came out, but when I rewatched it, I was like. You know, it's not half bad, but we'll get get to that as we discuss more. But sure. I remember seeing it on VHS probably in the late, probably in the early 90s, late 80s, early 90s, I want to say. Right. Yeah, for, for me, um, I you know, I was born in 75, so I was about five years old when 1980 hit. So I was I was starting to become more aware of my surroundings and really starting to, to understand pop culture and stuff uh, at that age. So yeah, when, in 1983, when, when masters of the universe came out, um, the cartoon was what I saw first. Um, it was one of those things where I was a latchkey kid. Both my parents worked. Um, and so basically I was given a key and my, my job was to, when I came home from school, uh, you know, at the, at the age of seven and eight, uh, I would do my chores, I would do my homework, and then I'd get to do whatever I wanted to. And, of course, I'd always watch He-Man and the Masters of the Universe on TV, um, basically because uh, as a kid, I loved the message of it. I loved the, the little PSAs it did at the end. It always felt like, for me as a kid, especially being made fun of a lot as a, as a, as a child, He-Man was very much like a surrogate. Uh, like friend for me because He-Man would talk to you at the end of every episode and it was almost like, you know, he was my friend. So I, w- I became a huge fan of He-Man uh, and the messages that it taught and all the characters and everything. And Skeletor is, to this day, Skeletor is still one of my favorite villains, even though he's kind of a joke uh, in the cartoon. As a, it just it, by design, he's a really badass looking character and he's probably one of the, one of the, one of the most impressive, impressively designed badass characters out there. It's just a shame that he was kind of um, he was he was kind of neutered for the for the show just for the sake of comedy, um, and then uh, and of course a friend I like you Alfred I collected Star Wars figures in the uh, late seventies early eighties so I was a big Star Wars fan and that that was the main the main toy line. Uh, eventually I branched out especially when the Star Wars line ended in eighty four. Uh, he Man I started collect He Man because I had a friend who collected He Man he had the castle and everything and I was like wow. Um, 
And then when the movie came out, I was excited because I was like, oh, my gosh, a live-action He-Man. You know, it's always, you know, as a kid, you're like, oh, how am I going to do this? And I remember I didn't – being uh, – coming from a poor family, I couldn't go see it in theaters. So I had to wait till it showed up on cable and because uh, my dad stole cable. So <laughs> we, he, he, got, he got us free cable, you know, because he had his ways. He's, he's very mechanically inclined. So he was able – that was back when we had a box. He was able to get us, you know, HBO for free. Um, but, uh, so I remember watching it on HBO and I was just like, I was so like, it was weird. I was torn because there were parts of it that I liked, but as a He-Man adaptation, it was horrible. It, they, they, they pretty much cut out almost all of the major supporting characters. They put it on earth, which I thought was the stupidest idea in the world. I was like, I don't want to be on earth. Earth is boring. I'll be out in space. Eternity is where you go. And so I was just, I was so disappointed. I was like, there was no Orko. There was a stupid little creature named Gwildor that I didn't give a shit about. So it was just, it was, I was not a fan. Um, but I have, I have, with the last several years of my life, I've fallen in love with the movie on its own merits because as a He-Man adaptation, it's horrible. Uh, but as a sci-fi fantasy flick, I absolutely adore it for a lot of reasons that we'll get into later. Um, so that's pretty much my experience. Um, and just to, just, to, just to touch base a little bit on the history of it for people who haven't seen, like I said, Alfred, there's a, like Alfred said, there's a really great docuseries on Netflix right now called The Toys That Made Us. It's only four episodes. One of the episodes is about He-Man. I, I highly recommend if you're into toys, if you're into collections, this is a great, they do Star Wars and, and, uh, and Barbie, and uh, I think G.I. Joe is the other one that they tackle. Um, the small, uh, well, no, actually they do the whole line. Um, but, um, so he, you know, He-Man was created by Mattel as a way to try to tap into the Star Wars market. Um, and they wanted to go a different route. They wanted to go more like, they wanted to go fantasy, but they wanted to go more like bodybuilding because they thought that the, having a musculature and power was what the kids wanted. Um, you know, and of course at the time, he, uh, Conan was very big. And so they went with that, um, and so they wanted to go that route, and they tried to get the license to Conan, but it didn't work out. So they ended up creating their own, and they named him He-Man. So um, we kind of already kind of touched upon um, the uh, – we've kind of already touched upon, uh, you know, basically our experiences with the cartoon and everything. Um, did anybody – I guess, Jonathan, I guess you didn't own any of the toys, but did you own any of the toys, Alfred? Yeah, I did. Um, not as many as the others, but I remember liking them because they had a lot of cool accessories, and I was like, the more accessories, the better. Um, oh, absolutely. Like, a lot of the Star Wars figures would just have, like, one little blaster or something. G.I. Joe started to have, like, other stuff, but I remember the right. figures were pretty cool, and they did have some good concepts. My favorite one was Manny Faces because you could, like, oh, yeah. you know, Change his face. I mean, for some reason, yeah. I found that really cool. And and Ram Man was funny because you sprung him <laughs> up and he launched. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So, um, uh, basically, to, to to bring us up to the to the film aspect. Um, so, you have uh, Canon Films made the deal with Mattel in like '86, I think it was uh, somewhere in there. Um, to do this film. And of course, uh, Canon films is owned by Golan Globus. Uh, they had bought it in the mid and they were making, and basically they were making a bunch of, uh, you know, low budget films. And they were putting them out like, like 20 a year or something. They're like, there was, it was outrageous. The number of films they were putting out a year. And of course, you know, it was all, a, it, I would say it was a charade, but they were basically, you know, their, their mouth was writing checks. Their body couldn't cash eventually. Um, 
So they were like the grind towels, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, ladies. absolutely. So, um, how about like then? Oh, and there's a there's a great documentary. Um, I don't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but you might, uh, Jonathan, because I know you've seen it too. Um, I believe you've seen it too. There's a really great documentary. I don't know. If, it used to be on Netflix. I don't know if it oh, still is. Oh, the one on Canon. Uh, yeah, the one about yeah, Canon films. Electric, it's called Electric Boogaloo. Yes, yes, that's uh, it. Oh wow! Another another great documentary that I highly recommend because it chronicles the entire history of Canon films and Golden and Globus, and basically from their for me, their meteoric rise to their to their sharp downfall, because uh, it talks about how you know very shrewd businessmen. Um, Golan and Globus were, but they they would often um, they would often uh, overbid, and but then and then they would have to try to uh, try to compensate for for the amount that they would you know they 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 always had these big uh, idealistic dreams that they that that more often than not they couldn't reach, but then they'd always make these smaller budget films that would kind of make up for it. You know they they were huge with like with like uh, action flicks like um, Chuck Norris. Uh, and stuff like that, and uh, you know, and for all what it's worth, they did a pretty decent amount of of of, of filmmaking in the time that they were around. So, um, I guess we can talk about like uh, our experience. Like, do you, uh, Alfred? You remember? I like. Are you familiar with the Canon films? Like, is there any Canon films that you remember seeing? You know, growing up as a kid. Like, I can name oh, a ton of them, yeah. but. I watched the hell out of some canon films. I mean, heck, they pretty much launched Chuck Norris's career. Yeah, they did. They totally did. Um, and I remember again, Invasion USA and American Ninja and Michigan. I actually saw some of the Michigan action movies in the theater, the Delta Force. Some, yep. They had some other really good ones, too, but I remember watching a lot of those. American Ninja, me and my friend Brian were obsessed with ninjas, and they made a and a bunch of ninja movies, and we we're just like, that was the coolest shit ever. Now looking they back, like holy cow! Oh yeah, no, they they definitely tried to go across the board. I mean, they they mostly did action flicks, but they did like they tried to do horror because like they did they did Life Force, you know, they tried like, oh, romantic comedies. Holy shit! That, I'm sorry, I got to say about that. That is an awesome vampire movie. It is. It is. I forgot that they did for, that. I'm sorry to interrupt, for, but that was a great vampire movie. Oh, it is. No, it is. It's it's space vampires. It's amazing. Like it's a great idea. Um, you know, and then they 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 did they did do like uh, romantic comedies like Last American Virgin. You know, they did try to branch out and do a little bit of sci-fi a little bit here and there, but I mean, most of it was 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 generally action films. Um, Jonathan, what what do you, what's your experience with uh, canon films? Uh, growing up. Uh, what? I mean, I've probably seen a good amount. I haven't seen as much as I'd like to, but when I grew up, um, I'm trying to think of the ones I, I probably saw as a kid because uh, I know they were they were big on the on TV. Like there was a lot of canon films on TV, yes. and that had that yes. really cool logo that popped yep. up. So whenever you saw it, you knew you were watching a canon movie. Oh um, hell yeah! Wait, was am I okay? Maybe I'm wrong. Was um, Cocoon? Can't, no, that wasn't canon, was it? No, that was um, for no, Ryan. No, Cocoon wasn't, wasn't canon. canon. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I've seen a lot. I like. Uh, I know they did. Uh, was it? They did Electric Boogaloo. They did uh, my my yes. favorite, Over the Top. You know, which was oh yeah, literally Over the Top. The top. Um, <laughs> yeah, they they've done some, and they did a lot of um, 
they took over for doing like like Superman for Superman Four, which is to me like yep. my least favorite Superman. Even oh, even Superman Three was better than Superman Four. Um, oh, absolutely. You know, though know, uh, so they should have put Dolph Lundgren in there. You know, fighting uh, Superman <laughs> that would have been cool. Um, that would have been cool. But. Yeah, Maybe you could Red you Scorpion know. too with Dolph Lundgren as well. That was a pretty wild one. Yep, yeah, ah, yeah. yeah, they did. Um, did they do another, Commando? another. Uh, um, no, they didn't do Commando. Commando was before them, I think. Uh, I know they they didn't do Commando. They did the Rambo. Uh, they did Rambo First Blood Part Two. Uh, they did Missing in Action. Only part. Only First Blood Part Two. Yeah, I believe so. Um, they did. Um, they did oh, Cyborg, they, um, which was supposed to. Yes. Cyborg was like their last big hurrah. That was supposed to right. be uh, originally Master of the Universe two. You know. Yep. That's and Spider Man. They used the, both the sets. Oh yeah. Both the sets, which makes no sense. It's like if you look at Cyborg and the area that they have. How is that going to be Spider-Man? That's the movie I want to see. Like, I want to see what they would have done with that. Yeah, yeah oh. that's true. So, <laughs> All right. so well, that documentary yeah. is still up on Netflix, Electric Boogaloo, The Wild Uncut World of Keenan. So I'm going to check that out this week. Yes, everybody, mm-hmm. if you get a chance, check that out, because it's a great documentary, very informative, and uh, it's – I, I really enjoyed watching it because it's, it's neat seeing, look, taking a peek behind all the movies that I grew up with as a kid, not realizing, you know, what was going on behind the scenes. Because, like you said, they were on cable and, and like, TV, like, TBS showed the hell out of them, like, all the time. Um, they were very, very, uh, you know, again, very low budget and, and we're, we're playing, like, a lot on TV. Um, so uh, let's move on to, okay, so the, theme, the film deal with Mattel, they – you know, like 1986, so on, somewhere in there, they, you know, they went ahead and, and they made the deal with, with uh, Mattel um, to do this, this live action film. So, and of course, it was just a, a, a failure. It was a huge failure because there were so many problems. Again, it was one of those, it was one of those ones where uh, the Golan and Globus, you know, talked it up way too much. They, you know, they, the budget was, was, they didn't have the budget that they had promised and, and, and like all sorts of production issues here and there. Um, so, but, uh, and of course, and, and then the, then the, the ending, the ending of the film ended up having to get, uh, didn't even get shot. Like it wasn't even finished. They had to try to come up with money at the end of the, like at the end of things to just shoot as much as possible. And it was like, it wasn't even like the original ending that they had like planned for it. They had to do a very like, like, like condensed, like low budget, like, and that's why you only see like this darkness and like He-Man and, and Skeletor fighting and everything. But, um, so in, and so what you end up having is you, you have, uh, you know, this, this movie that just is kind of uneven, you know, there's a lot thrown at the beginning, but at the very end, you can tell that the budget has run out and they basically could, were able to eke out what they could. Um, and so now you have this movie. And so let's talk about, um, uh, well, let's let's talk let's talk about the film itself, okay? So, um, Alfred, what do you what do you think? Uh, like, what are your what are your personal opinions on the film uh, as it is? Um, well, like you were saying, and my my friend Gary and I talked a lot about this. Is like 
for some reason in the 80s and 90s, and even today, you can't really stereotype the 80s and 90s, but it's like we have this really cool idea, and it's in a really cool place, and like, wow, this is amazing. And then um, it goes to the 90s or the 80s, or it goes to present-day Earth, and it's always like, why do you have to do that? I mean, you already got some stuff, so just pretend it's another planet. It doesn't even have to be Earth, you know? But that right. kind of irks me a bit. But I was I want to give a kudos though because um I didn't like that they kind of, that they nixed some characters because like who's these? I want to see Orko on the big screen. I don't want to see Windsor. How how easy would it be to just put a red cloak on somebody even make an attempt? <laughs> you know if that. And they did keep some of the... The one thing I did like was at least they made an attempt for most of the characters to emulate what they had looked like. Because I remember getting really cheesed off at the 1980s version of Captain America where Red Skull had plastic surgery. It's like, no, he's Red Skull. He's not Beverly Hills surgeon guy. But I I like... I think, wasn't that a... Was that a canon movie too, uh, Captain America? I think it might have been. It might have been. I think it was, yeah. They spent their whole budget on the first part where he's in the rocket place, but I digress. Um, But one thing I wanted to get into that we might hit on is the the talent they actually had in the show was pretty good. I mean, Frank Langella was virtually unnoticeable in the movie. And Billy Barty was a big time actor for decades. He was a, he was a midget. And he had Meg Frank, Foster, who was a, hmm? I was going to say, Frank Langella, actually, uh, Frank Langella, to this day, still insists that Skeletor is his favorite character that he's ever played. Really? He, um, Yeah, he loved it. Um, he thought it was well, partly because of his kids, but um, he enjoyed the... Um, he enjoyed the theatricality of it. He enjoyed the the, the scenery chewing. He, he relished every aspect of the way he played that character. And so, yeah, Franklin Jello says that it's still his favorite character that he's ever played to this day. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, it's funny because it's, it's in this small little, you know, low-budget fantasy flick that, that failed. Uh, but it's become a cult classic. So, I mean... Uh, but yeah, you were ta- you were saying uh, Meg Foster, the, the, the woman with the crazy blue eyes... Yeah, I have on my notes the '80s babe with the haunting eyes because she like showed up in They Live and she was just iconic for the time. Yeah, she was just like, oh, uh, you guys want to hear? Oh, sorry, what are you saying? Go. And well, then you had Chelsea say, Field like, who was on. Oh, go ahead. Well, I just want to mention Meg Prosser before you leave. Uh, uh, her. Yeah. Um, I, I wanted to mention that I actually met her. She was at Scares That Care. And uh, mm-hmm. a friend of mine was, uh, my friend Andre, uh, was going around just getting, you know, asking people if they wanted their, uh, you know, characters, you know, from celebrities, asking the celebrities if they wanted, like, characters drawn of them and stuff. So he went over to her and chatted with her, and she was very flirty with them. And <laughs> she ended up, um, I had no idea who she really was because I never really watched that, or I didn't even see They Live. Sure. So like this year, so I mean, I was never really a huge, you know, I didn't know much about her, but I knew she was right. a celebrity. Um, but he, she, like, was very flirty with him, and uh, actually, the funniest thing she said to him was she 
comes around, I don't know, like, I'm whatever. I'm going to say it anyway. Um, she comes up and uh, he's talking to um, what's the what's the chick's name? Um, she's in like Zach and Mary make a porno, and she's kind of like a former uh, child. Like she was in child star, but she was also she was in supposedly a, a porno. Uh, whatever. Anyway, uh, oh, I know who you're talking about. You know, yeah, I'm I know who you're about talking about Zach and Mary make a porno. Um, anyway, oh, Tracy Lords. Uh, let me let me. Tracy Lords, yes, exactly. So he's talking to Tracy Lords, and she comes up and she says something. Uh, Meg Foster looks over and goes, "If uh, you like, whispers in his ears. If you uh, if you buy something from her table and not from mine, I will kill you." Ah, <laughs> damn. And I'm like, all right. She seems like a cool chick, you know. Like, just would she would joke around about like that kind of stuff and just be, you know. Like that, I, I don't know. If she, I hope she was joking. <laughs> I'm pretty sure she I'm was. Sure she but... was. Yeah, but anyway, but... I just thought that was a funny, like, little story. I've never met. I, I, I met her like briefly, saying hello and everything. But she, um, like, if I had come up and said, "Hey, I loved you in Master of the Universe," I think we would have had more. You know, it would have been sure, sure. less awkward than me just walking up to her table and saying hello. <laughs> you know, some random chick. That's anyway, awesome, ahead, Jonathan. Um, That's cool. Yeah. And then you have so Chelsea on. Field and James Tolkien, one of the – Chelsea Field oh, yeah. popped up all the time. James Tolkien is like one of the standout 80s character actors. He was oh, the, the principal in Back to the Future, the, the commanding officer in Top Gun, on the carrier, the bald guy. Right, right. And then um, – yeah. He's always fun. He's a great character actor. And then uh, Courtney Cox. What can I say? She yeah, Courtney Cox. Dancing with the Dark and shooting that with Bruce Springsteen. And then we're right into Masters of the Universe. So um, Absolutely. I'll just say we've got four minutes left and until seven. Then we're going to go record it after that. So join us for the final 15 on the other <laughs> side. And and it, I think they did great with a good cast. And I'll pass it back to you and Jonathan. And, and um yeah, um, okay, so you just saw the movie for the first time, Jonathan, so you have no preconceived notions, you have, you have no, uh, uh, you have no other, like, baggage, like, like, you know, like, from, you know, like, nostalgia baggage or, or anything from your childhood, so you've seen it fresh, what, what are your thoughts on the Masters of the Universe movie? All right, so there's a few things that I want to talk about that I wanted to, uh, to address with you guys, um, about it. First of all, um, I know there's a lot of controversy and a lot of problems with the fact that they made it like, um, you know, where they go to Earth, you know, they go through a portal and go to Earth, and it's instead of it being He-Man, where it's, even I had a little bit of an issue at first with that. I was like, uh, you know, I know later on uh, Beastmaster 2 did basically the same thing, kind of ripped off He-Man, or uh, ripped off Masters of the Universe. And then I was watching a video last night, and uh, the guy that I was listening to mentioned that, um, or was watching, mentioned that um, uh, it wasn't, you know, he, he was upset because it was called Masters, Masters of the Universe and not He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. Like, it probably confused kids a lot that um, it wasn't He-Man. And, because every, cause most of the time, kids don't see, and you could probably you know, say something about this, Donnie and, and Alfred, because you guys 
both were fans. But, um, you know, a lot of people probably didn't realize that it was a He-Man movie, you know, when it was coming out because it was just called Masters of the Universe. And But if you think about it, it should only be called Masters of the Universe because He-Man's only in it for half the fucking movie, which really pissed <laughs> me off. Like, like he's, it was more about Courtney Cox and her boyfriend and who, in the beginning of it, I was watching it with my brother last night, right? And in the beginning of it, they go to this graveyard and I'm like, oh my God, what the fuck is going on? This is not a He-Man, you know? And he says, and she says something like, um, what is it? Um, uh, my, uh, uh, was it, uh, or he says something about like, uh, a mother and father wouldn't be blah, blah, blah. I'm like, are they dating or are they brother and sister? And then, you know, it gets confusing in the beginning. And I was just like, and then they kiss and I'm like, Oh, I really hope this is like turning a completely different route that, you know, <laughs> I know it's PG 13, but PG 13 and everything. But, so I, I was watching this movie going, okay, this is this is kind of fun, but, like, I can see why I never watched it as a kid. I would not have liked this movie as a kid. I would have hated it because it was not a fun kid's movie. This is, sure. this is an 80s action adult kind of fun, you know, kind of thing. But sure. for a kid, it would be so freaking bored. I know, like I still have uh, a kid attention span, so it was sure. it was a little it was a little rough at times to, to to like fully watch it. In fact, I remember getting to about forty minutes till you know, or like or, or forty minutes of, and going, oh my god, this is another hour. <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm one of those people that I, I this was not going to be for me, but I can see sure. why everybody loves it. You know that kind of thing. Well. You, you you make a lot of valid points, and and to be fair, the they're points that I I agree with. Like, and you're absolutely right. I hadn't even thought about it, but He Man, you're right. It it He Man does does not show up nearly as much in the movie as he should. It, they really do focus, and that's I think that's part of the reason why I hated the fact that they went to Earth because they focused so much on the Earth stuff. And again, this was due to budget. They didn't have the budget because I mean the original the original concept and the original script for it was all about. Eternia and this huge battle and everything, and then when they realized that the budget wasn't going to be as big as they wanted it to be, well, first they they cut it. Well, they you know they had to. Well, like, well, we're going to set it on Earth, and most of it's going to be on Earth. We're like, what? And then they were like, well, they're going to cut all these characters. Like, we can't do Orko because we can't afford to do uh, a special effects for Orko, so we got to cut all these characters out that we can't afford to do because of special effects and that. But um, but you're right. It's 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 really not about Heeman at all. It's about these two Earthling characters that nobody gives a shit about. We just introduced them in this movie. We're not here to see Earthlings, you know, basically, you know, crying over their dead parents and 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 trying to start bands. We want to fucking see He-Man. We want to see, you know, we want to see the battle of, of good versus evil. We want to see the masters of the universe. You know, we want to see sky right. sleds and we want to see magic and we want to see, you know, like, you know, like you know, space battles. Like, you, you know, so you're absolutely mm-hmm. right. And battle, and, um, yeah. and battle, battle cat. cat. Yeah, no, no damn battle uh. cat in that movie at all. But, and, and the thing is, is like I said, oh, I agree. Like as a kid, as there's yeah. a cow, there's a cow, mm-hmm. and 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 it would and and Billy Barty tries to speak to it while he's eating yeah. ribs. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious, but 
But I mean, but his, and, and that's the funny thing is, you know, I, I'm in the same boat as a kid. I was torn because I was like, I wanted to like it so much, but as a, as an adaptation, it is, it is awful. It is not even, it's not worthy of the He-Man and the Master Universe uh, name. Um, but as I've gotten older, I've learned to appreciate it on because mo- there's, there, it has its own certain charms. Um, and one of the things that I learned about it um, is, I don't know if you guys are familiar, uh, how familiar you guys are with, uh, with, um, well, actually, um, we were talking about DC comics just a few weeks ago. Um, but a lot of the design and a lot of the character, uh, or a lot of the, uh, part the, the movie was based, uh, there's a lot of design and stylistic choices that were based off of DC's new gods series. Uh, that was, there's a lot mm-hmm. of Jack Kirby, uh, a lot of Jack Kirby influences in that film. Um, which I didn't know as a kid because I didn't know who Jack Kirby was. I was a kid. I, I read comic books, but I didn't go beyond like, Oh, look, Superman's flying. Yay. Um, but right. There's a lot of Jack Kirby, uh, Jack Kirby influences, especially New Gods. Skeletor is considered to be uh, Dark Side, uh, in uh, you mm. know, basically in that film, and so on and so forth. Like, and upon re- watching the movie with with, because the, the first time I picked it up on Blu-ray, it was a few years ago. I think Shout Factory put it out or something, and I remember watching it with that information, looking at it as if it was like a New Gods movie. Uh, watching it as if it was like a Jack Kirby fantasy like uh, space flick, and I ended up liking it so much more. And I realized that I can I can kind of I can kind of uh, resolve the conflict in me about it being a He-Man movie. I can, I can I can kind of accept the fact that it's He-Man, but it's like He-Man if it was done by Jack Kirby and it was part of the New God series. And I actually have learned to appreciate the movie so much more now. Now, granted, the Earth stuff still kind of pisses me off, but on the whole, like. I love the movie so much more now than I ever did. And I, in fact, I watch it quite often. I watch it at least once or twice a year uh, just because of how much fun, because there's a lot of, it has, it has a lot of great charms. I think Dolph Lundgren does a decent job as He-Man. I think, uh, like you said, uh, uh, Tolkien as, uh, as Lubick is fun to watch. Like he's a lot of fun. Anytime he's on screen, um, the kids are dead weight. I wish they'd go away. Like even, even uh, fucking what's his name? The kid from, uh, um, uh, Star Trek Voyager, uh, Sam Dun- or uh, Duncan McNeil or whatever the fuck his name is. I'm just like whatever. Courtney Cox, you're cute, but you know you're not doing much for the movie. I've even learned to appreciate <laughs> Gwildor on some level because Billy Barty fucking kills it as Gwildor, and there's a lot of funny scenes that I just didn't think were funny back then. But I'm like, you know, this is kind of amusing. Um, yeah. And so, but over time, I've learned to love the movie, and, and uh, for that reason alone, um, because of 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 all those different aspects of it that that have grown on me. And one of the other things that I really love about it is the score. Uh, I actually okay, have... I, real, real quick, I did want to mention that real quick, because when I was listening to it, it is it is a complete ripoff of Superman, by the way. Like, I'm sorry. That that beginning score, with, with the, it just sounds like a, like Superman 4, like, you know, Bill Conti just takes bits and pieces and makes its own like version, but it, it, it reminded me of how reanimator was like psycho, you know, like right. they, it's too similar that it kind of, it becomes a thing where I'm all I'm thinking about is Superman. I don't know that that was me, but I don't know what you guys, if you See, guys I agree or disagree. I, I, yeah, I will have to, because I don't hear it. I, um, I, I, I hear a lot of, I hear a lot of similar, uh, movements and pieces from other Bill Conti pieces. Like, I mean, because Bill Conti, 
you know, has a very, you know, uh, a, a very good uh, uh, career when it comes. I mean, he did the Rocky movies, you know. Um, I believe he did the Karate. I, I, I hear a lot of Karate Kid and Rocky uh, movements and pieces in, in, the, in his score. A lot of a similar, a lot of similar um, uh, uh, sections that, that were in those other films. But I honestly, I, I, I don't, I don't like, I, I can kind of understand the Superman connection, but I personally don't see it. Um, and it's, you know, and, that, and at that time, with the you know, when you're doing like a space thing, like a lot of that kind of music is derivative. I mean, Superman, you know, Star Wars, it all is kind of very similar in that regard. Of course, and again, most of it was written by, uh, um, uh, by uh, John Williams John anyway. Williams. So, yeah. But um, but I don't know. I I love the score. In fact, I like I said, I La La Land Records uh, puts out a lot of really great, uh, hard to find musical uh, scores for movies. And I picked up the masters of the universe score because I actually, I'm in love with it. Like I listen to it all the time. I love the score. I love, I love the, the, um, I, I, I love, I love the, the, the rising, like, like powerful, like, like Pete, uh, when it reaches the apex and it's like, like, I love that stuff. Like I just, it's one of my favorite uh, scores. I listen to it all the time. So yeah, we're going to have to agree to disagree on that one because I just, I just love that score too much. I think Bill Conti did an amazing job with it. Um, and Alfred, we've neglected you. How about, like, what's your input on, on what we've talked about so far? Well, I like them Bill Conti's score and them the Stargate noise. It reminds me of the Prometheus noise when they're, oh, when yeah. Davis, with the engineers used to launch, prepare to launch their ship. I mean, but um, I, I, I like you. I, I enjoyed it more this go round. I think they could have worked in the He Man theme from the cartoon and the theme. That would have been pretty cool. Sure, sure. And and they didn't do anything with Adam changing into He Man, which that would have been a perfect thing. If you're gonna do something on Earth, you know, you could have had Oh sure. He's on Earth without his powers and then he gets the sword, but maybe that's for a reimagining of it. But um like um I was really impressed that um, they had an Easter egg at the end of it. Not an Easter egg, but they had a bonus scene. Yes. Um, at the end of yes. the credits. So if you haven't seen it, stick around for the end of the credits because there is an interesting scene. And they yeah, had, long like, before Marvel. Yes. Yeah, because I was like, well, I was just letting it run, and I was like, oh, there is a bonus scene. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I, I was the same way. I watched it a million times. Even though I hated the movie, I would watch it whenever it would come on, and just actively just hate it. Um, but I never, I never, I never watched it after the credits. I didn't actually know there was a bonus scene until I bought it on Blu-ray and watched it for the first time. And I just have to, I just because I like to listen to the music and everything. So I, I will sit and listen to the credits even when there. I know that when I, even though I know there's not a bonus scene. Um, mm-hmm. And sure enough, man, I'm sitting there and I've got it, and I'm and I'm I was kind of not even really paying attention. I was kind of doing something else, and all of a sudden the credits are over, and I look up and there's a and there's like the scene where there's water, and I'm like, what, wait, what is this? And then his head pops up. He's like, I'll be back. Spoiler alert, everybody, he's gonna be back, but he's really not because they didn't do a sequel. But um, <laughs> but I was just like, holy shit, there's a bonus scene. I didn't no idea. Like like 20 years, I didn't even know that scene was there. But anyway, I I interrupted you, so continue, sir. Oh, no worries. Um, they did have two. 
They had the I have the power quote, which is good, but they did have, right. of course, their pinnacle good journey thing, which I mentioned earlier, but they did have a, yep. a it was almost like a J.R. Tolkien-esque quote in there that I found like a, a hidden gem in the film. And it was when Men at Arms was telling Courtney Cox, he said, um, it is an old attorney in saying, live the journey for every destination is but a doorway to another. And I yes. absolutely love that. That is awesome. Yeah, it's pretty I, cool. I'm going to put that into my motivational quotes. I mean, that's actually a, sure. a quote from a movie that I, I could apply in my life. So, yeah, no man, or matches of the universe changed my life today with a with a with a, <laughs> a positive quote. Which is funny because if you think about it, the, the cartoon did the same thing. So it's kind of funny that the movie did that for you because it's 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 kind of it kind of holds in tradition with the way the cartoon used to be, you know, back when we were kids. So that's kind of funny. Um, but yeah, I I, uh, I I think we're winding down now. We've got like what five minutes left. Um, and we briefly, I guess we can talk about the fact that there's a new movie in the works. Um, the uh, oh, let me look it up real quick. Uh, yeah, there's a reboot. Um, and it looks like it's it's still on track. Uh, I think they they're saying that David Goyer is looking to direct a new one. Um, and I've seen some of the some of the designs. Like they have a they have a design with uh, that they that leaked of Tila in like armor. And I was like, ah, I don't know. We uh, we are we we are long overdue for a proper He Man. Uh, film, and I don't know because from what I've seen so far, I don't. I, it doesn't look good. It looks like they might have just. They might have. They might be missing the mark again, but we'll see. Um, oh, um, is, by the way, real quick, yeah, uh, Rob Lindsay did say. So I, I missed this in the chat room because I haven't been uh, checking the chat room. But we have one question. Blowing you off so, again, Rob. Do you think? Do you think a He-Man movie would work today, or do you think younger kids not knowing or care anything about him? I uh, quickly I I I think I think the 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 the, the Conan esque uh, like uh, fantasy sci fi film I think it's universal I think it'll work at any uh, in any generation uh, especially I mean mm-hmm. Japan is kind of making a comeback you know we've got the, I, I collect the new figures that Mattel makes um, you know the 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 sword and sorcery sandal. Uh, flicks are still coming out. You've got the Gods of Egypt and all this other stuff. I think a He-Man movie will still work in today's day and age, but it has to be done right. It needs to be more faithful, but it needs to really embrace the heritage that the that the that the cartoon did. I mean, it doesn't have to be hokey. You can, but it doesn't have to be grim and gritty either. If you can find a good balance, like say, like the way they do, like Marvel does. Marvel has got a, knows how to strike a balance between doing a serious, but also add humor and make it lighthearted. You could you could take and do a He-Man movie. And do it in the in the same tone as like Guardians of the Galaxy, and have it be a lot of fun, or Thor Ragnarok for that matter. Um, yeah, I, I I think it, yeah. and, and Rob, you're absolutely right. I think it'd still work, and I and and I'm sorry we blew you off again till the end of the show, man. Just we just it just keeps happening. Your luck is not good with me. <laughs> yeah. Well, Rob, well, we'll, we'll make sure next Rob's time we'll get them up in there. What was that, Alfred? Uh, I was just gonna say you got you got the base audience of the people who grew up with it, and if you do it sure. right, unlike yep. unlike GI Joe and Transformers, which Transformers is a bit more successful than GI Joe, but 
If you do this stuff right, you're going to make money. It's just when you start Absolutely. playing around with what way you grew up with, it's like, yeah, I'm not a fan. So you got to do it right, like Johnny. I'm Donnie said. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, we got like a minute left, so we should probably go ahead and say our goodbyes now and, and, and get our, our uh, connecting stuff out and everything. Um, well, just so, check us out on Hollywood Boulevard, like on Hollywood Boulevard podcast on Facebook. Check us out on Twitter at H-L-L-Y-W-O-O-D-B-L-V-D-Pod. Good Lord, that's a lot of freaking letters. Um, and <laughs> then, um, no wonder they cut you off. Um, and then Instagram, Hollywood Boulevard Podcast. So Hollywood yes. BLVD Podcast. So check us out. You can find all the information on all of us on there. So thank you guys for listening. And don't and forget next week you said, the Baby Skeletor with the, the Donnie does every week. Yeah. Uh, and I, we're doing what? We're doing Twilight Zone next week? Twilight yeah. Zone next week. So, so tune in for that. Come back, come, come back for that. And uh, everybody, good journey. <laughs>